0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Fastgate Rewatch Podcast. Woo! Woo, Episode three. I am Can't Wear Hats, and joining me is
1: Red Nightmare. Hello.
0: Hey, and yeah, it's episode three, and this one is called
1: Exodus from Genesis, also known as Bible reference. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I mean, I know a lot of sci-fi shows like doing Bible references in their titles, but like cramming two together, like (laughs) two entire books. Yep, Exodus and Genesis, (laughs) it happens. But yeah, that's about the only
0: biblical thing in this episode. The the rest of the episode has no real relation to that, uh, those kind of themes, as we will get into. But yeah, this is episode three, uh, Exodus from Genesis. And, again, this is one of those episodes that is out of order. So this is by production number. This is episode three. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you watched this as it aired in the UK, this was actually episode five. And if you watched it as it aired in the US, this was episode two. So there you go. Why?
1: Well, well, we don't ask questions here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. I mean, a few of the early season episodes are kind of interchangeable because it's much more episodic, but Mm. I think it works... Pretty well where it is in episode three yeah it's but,
1: a very good episode three i think yeah
0: i actually quite enjoyed this episode so without further ado let's get into what happens oh and we start out with a john is a fish out of water scene <laughs> he wants to brush his teeth you know like any normal uh, human being would want to do dental hygiene is important <laughs> but this being farscape
1: of course they don't have toothbrushes
0: no that would make too much sense <laughs> dargo is basically trying to force uh, feed him a little maggot kind of shaped thing that's uh, like white with little black spots that's called a dentic.
1: We <laughs> love that name.
0: Yeah <laughs> it's like it goes in your mouth it's called a dentic it's you know brushes your teeth and John's like no 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 I don't I don't like it. I don't just like just it. give me a
1: goddamn toothbrush.
0: <laughs> and it's like this is no no this is way more efficient so he sticks it in his mouth
1: and <laughs> tells him not to swallow it. Like, actually choking him while he tells him not to swallow it, so he doesn't swallow it.
0: Listen, dental hygiene is very important to Dargo, apparently.
1: <laughs> Don't ever swallow oh. a
0: <laughs> And John does it, and he's like, hmm, it's kind of minty. <laughs> That's like one of those opening scenes of his John being very out of his depth and
1: confused. Which actually is a theme for this episode, which I really liked.
0: Yeah. Now on to what's actually going to be going on in this episode. <laughs> because immediately after this scene, the ship is sort of shaking, and they've come close to what is apparently some... They say it's asteroid debris. In parentheses. It, it, yeah, parentheses. Because that's what it looks like. And Aaron is on the bridge trying to figure out what's going on. And it turns out it's not just asteroid debris. On the other side of the asteroid debris, there's a Peacekeeper ship. A Hyundai. Yeah,
1: it's a little Peacekeeper ship. So so. John jokes that it's basically a Hyundai.
0: Yeah, because it's called a Marauder, and it's scanning for Moya, but the debris is blocking the scan. So John says, well, how fast is this thing? And Aaron says it can go Hetch 7. Hetch is kind of like the normal faster-than-light travel that isn't Starburst. Mm -hmm. And the problem is we don't actually know how fast Moya can go but John says that they can easily outrun that little ship. Yeah. But they're not going to because if the peacekeepers find them, then they'll call in a command carrier and that they can't outrun. No.
1: They call in the big ship and you can't outrun that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're a scouting party for Krays who is really hell bent on finding John. So you need to make sure you're not found by anyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they end up managing to hide. And Aaron actually comments that she and Pilot make a good team. Which uh, yeah. signals in some other points of this episode, I like. Yeah,
0: that that theme comes up again later on. But yeah, you find out, you know, that she's very sort of tactically minded and can give very you know specific, concise instructions to pilot
1: who you know and carries them out. And she's yeah. a, she's a pilot herself. Yeah, exactly. She was, she was a fighter pilot before they met her. So.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like you said, they work very well together. So, yeah, they escape. They get out of the debris and manage to, Well, they manage to get away from the Peacekeepers. But some of the debris lands on Moya, and it's not asteroids. It's bugs! It's oh, a, God,
1: no! Not the bugs! They're in the, they're in the walls! Not the
0: bees! Not the bees! Uh. <laughs> you actually get... A, there's like a CGI shot of the bugs entering Moya's hangar bay or something.
1: Looks so creepy. Yeah, it's like everywhere on the walls and over uh, across the floor, some falling off from the (laughs) ceilings. Like, uh.
0: (laughs) no, 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 no. And that's when the titles cut in. It's like the whole right, (laughs) dramatic tension. Now titles, (laughs) and then we come back, and Aaron is saying
1: that well, they were lucky to make it out, you know. Yeah, because apparently, marauders have a very clear search pattern that she. Draws on the floor, and I'm like, I could probably evade that. It's It's something,
0: what was it, like a
1: reverse star, upside down. You basically throw three lines through each other. Like like an asterisk. (laughs) I mean, that's not that hard to dodge, Really. I mean, you should j- just go up or down, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just figure out what the first line is. Go perpendicular from there. You're, you're done. But yeah, this is
0: John and Aaron just having one of their chats of him trying to bring Aaron around to be part of the team. Mm-hmm. Aaron is kind of brushing it off a bit. John says that they're all in this together now. They may as well get along. But she's like, well, what could I possibly
1: want from you? <laughs> <laughs> wow, shut down. It's like, oh, oh no, and he no. mumbles something about, well, compassion for one, <laughs> learn a thing or two. Well,
0: he has like, he has his uh, compassion and then it's like, you know, stock tips or
1: something yeah, else. I that one. <laughs> it's like, he goes down the list and the last one is stock tips. Like,
0: <laughs> he always has his sense of, <laughs>
1: yeah, he definitely, it's very much a coping mechanism and he really, oh, yeah. he really uses it. <laughs>
0: So meanwhile, while that's going on, uh, Jean is helping Rigel clear up his quarters, and he's been painting. Yeah. <laughs> he's been painting a picture of himself. Because of course he is. Yeah. Well, he do- he's done a kind of, not bad, you know, painting, but with a big red smear across his face. Yeah. <laughs> Which he also has got paint on his own
1: face. Because of the crash. Or the maneuvering. The space turbulence. Yes,
0: exactly. Um, and then Zahn says, "Here, give me, give me the brush," and she actually she does this something where she paints a much better picture of him, and also super fast. Yeah, it's really it's that classic kind of old school way of making things look really quick, where they like over cranked the shot,
1: speed it up.
0: Yeah, so she's and then it's like a really realistic painting of Rigel. And apparently it looks a lot like his ancestor, Rigel the First. Yeah. I mean, and
1: apparently it's rushed. It's like, it's gorgeous and it's like, well, it's a bit rushed. It's like, yeah. Zan, stop showing off. Yeah,
0: She says it's a spirit painting. So I think the idea is that she's painting, you know, what's inside of Rigel, which is, she says, that's why he looks like Rigel the First, because you must have some of his spirit in you. Mm. And Rigel seems to be enjoying this. This is another scene of Zahn and Rigel's friendship kind of growing, mm-hmm. which I thought was nice. But anyway, back to the rest of the crew, and it's actually it's getting hot in here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking off all my clothes.
0: Ah, okay. <laughs> but uh, Aaron is getting a little bit too hot because
1: yeah. let's be honest, Claudia Black is an attractive woman.
0: This is true. These are true facts. <laughs> I
1: don't know where this is going, but carry <laughs> no, on.
0: I. I just meant that the Moya <laughs> is warming up. I mean, God, get your head out of the gutter. Though. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's basically, something is out of whack with the thermal control on Moya. Um Erin and John are still in the hangar bay while this is going on. And something jabs into Erin's arm from underneath the uh, table. She thinks it's a metal splinter, but we know different,
1: because we it's saw... a bug!
0: It's a bug that shot something into her, which is really
1: weird. And then it picks it up with a bit of blood on the end. Yeah, there's That's actually... Not
0: ominous. No. <laughs> it actually focuses on, like, there's a little bit of blood on there and, you know, what's going on here. So now John and John have gone to try and fix some of the temperature controls.
1: Actually, the, there's a, the little thing back there, oh, which yeah. I really like, is that you see that bug picking up the the needle, and mm. it cuts straight to... Dargo holding another needle with blood on its tip and just throwing it away. Apparently he's been stung as well at that point.
0: Yeah. Something weird is going on here. I mean, which is par for the course. <laughs> it's Farscape. Yep. Uh, so yeah, the, now they're trying to fix the temperature control, so Jean is showing John how to, you know, control the temperature on a tier of uh, Moya. This is another scene of him being very frustrated that he doesn't really know how to do anything. Because, you know, he's there's a lever basically to move to control the temperature and he tr- pushes it the wrong way and so is like no no this way and that kind of sets him off of like okay i don't understand anything <laughs>
1: I, I really like this scene because it's on one end it's and fighting in zan being like i have no idea what i'm doing yep. and she completely understands that she's like you look you're new to all this i get it it's don't worry about it it'll come with time he's mostly worried about the others because they don't have the patience Zahn has.
0: Yeah, he says that um, he feels like everything that he does is a test from Dargo and Aaron. Mm. But Zahn uh, quite rightly says, you know, they're soldiers. That's how they think. And what they respect are actions. So you should, you know, take action and trying to just talk to them and say, you know, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. That won't really work.
1: No. So You just got... to show them you're worth something.
0: Take some initiative, man. <laughs> <laughs> get, get your life in order.
1: <laughs> Stop complaining.
0: So, yeah, John seems to have been kind of calmed down by this. But then he, he's gone back to his quarters, and you see, like, a little bug thing taking a sample of hair from his comb. Uh-huh. And then he turns around and
1: sees it. He's like, oh, God, bugs. Oh God. It's like a giant two-foot-long bug.
0: Yeah, and it's actually, so there were CGI bugs right at the beginning, but now
1: it's uh, puppetry and practical effects. Basically, a toy car underneath it. But yeah, they... I'm sure. That's that's the case, actually. Uh,
0: I th- what I think they are, partly because of something else that happens later on, is I think they're repurposed DRD puppets.
1: Probably, actually, good point.
0: Yeah, which you know makes sense to save on cost. Just take the outer shell off the DRD, you know, remote-controlled thing, and put on the alien
1: thing. They're roughly
0: the same size.
1: I wouldn't be actually be surprised if they put the alien coat over the DRD yeah, because maybe. I think the DRDs are smaller.
0: And there's a bit later on where one of the alien bugs moves a little limb up from the top of its head, mm. which is exactly in, in exactly the same place that the DRDs uh, like injector and things are. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I figure that's that's probably what they did.
1: Oh, sweet. I mean, it's a good way of doing it, and it works for these scenes, I think.
0: Yeah, so Crichton is trying to catch one. Then it does actually go back to a CGI bug at one point when it <laughs> stands just, up on its legs and does like a whole shuffle back and forth with John.
1: I mean, they're saying they never do that again in the entire episode.
0: It's like no. I mean, CGI is not cheap.
1: <laughs> no. It's like, why do it in the first place? They worked fine as they were. Yeah. Cockroach-sized.
0: <laughs> so then John basically has a fight with this bug and manages to catch it and kill it. <laughs> I like how
1: he. Do, I like how he throws a sack over it, grabs it, and then the just does what you always do when you want to crush something in a sack. You Just slam it onto everything <laughs> you can find.
0: <laughs> it has that classic bit of, okay, okay, it's dead now, and it moves, and he just whacks <laughs> it again,
1: <laughs> against the wall, against the table, on the bed.
0: Because <laughs> yeah, he wrecks this thing, and then there's this is like gunk oozing from the bag. It's yeah. Like, ugh, yeah ugh. <laughs> So he's identified that, yes, okay, that's the problem, bugs. (laughs) Giant two-foot bugs. So then we cut back to uh, Zahn, who is showing another ability that we haven't seen from her so far, which is that she's a scientist.
1: She does autopsies. Yeah,
0: she's wearing like a lab coat, kind of, like a space lab coat. Mm-hmm. And She's doing some tests on the uh, bugs' DNA that uh, the one that John managed to kill, and she finds something interesting. That its DNA matches Crichton's. Oh. <Felixressing tone> oh, <sound> what? That was kind of set up because they were stealing blood samples and you know bits of hair. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, I I can see where this is going. So <laughs> they're using it <laughs> for some purpose. We don't know what.
1: No, we, we can't possibly guess. No, I have no, no. no idea. No.
0: no. Also, they've found out that the creatures have blocked off uh, bits of moire using blue kind of gooey
1: stuff. Yeah, that, gets ho- that hardens quite quickly, apparently.
0: And, of course, the temperature is rising. Erin is really not having a good time. She's
1: pissed.
0: Yeah, and this is where we find out something interesting. So, I actually don't think we mentioned this, but the humans that, you know, make up Peacekeepers, aren't actually humans. They're
1: Sebations.
0: Yeah. And up until now, I mean, we've had a couple of differences between the two, but it's mainly seemed to be cultural.
1: Yeah, mostly culture. The Peacekeepers are very much, the Sebations are very much a warlike society, whereas Earth is very much a like society you're I'm well to make I mean here, you but, know yeah, you know less
0: so <laughs> but now we actually find out that um, sebations well, Dargo says they lack the gland to properly regulate heat and so the the upshot is that they do not deal with warmth very well at all there's several stages of you know the short-term memory goes then motor function then long-term memory then you're basically a walking
1: zombie <laughs> the, the worst part is you don't die yeah it's called living death. I'm assuming it's either in the you become basically a zombie or you basically become... I'm expecting it to be something somebody in the last stages of Alzheimer's, something like that. Yeah, it sounds being like awful. completely unaware of your surroundings aside for very short flashes.
0: Yeah, God, it just sounds terrible. And Aaron says that peacekeepers will put each other out of their misery when they get yeah. into that state. It's like, jeez, this is some heavy stuff. It's like, whoa, okay. Yeah, so there's a time limit on now because... If things get too hot, John can deal with it fine. Most of the rest of the crew are uncomfortable,
1: but, but that's about it. That's about it. Uh, Aaron will become a walking zombie, or possibly the faith worse than death. They call it. I like also like that John points out that wait, they're basically cold-blooded. <laughs> yes, yeah. like not far off. It's probably not exactly what they are, but it's yeah, not a bad wording for it. But yeah, so they're going to rush
0: off to try and fix the uh, heat. So Crichton goes down to another corridor where there's another uh, valve to adjust the heat, like the one we saw earlier. Mm -hmm. And he runs into Zahn, who turns the heat up.
1: So he's like, wait, no, you're doing it wrong. And he tries to put it back.
0: And then she attacks him and then turns around and just sort of vomits up this blue goop, the same blue goop we saw a minute ago, over uh, the lever to lock it in place because it hardens. And so John is like oh, okay, runs away to go to command, you know, basically the bridge, and finds Aaron there, who is also, doesn't say anything, and is also turning the temperature up.
1: It's like, oh no, stop, stop. Then she basically fights him.
0: Yeah, she attacks him, beats him up, and then he grabs her and pulls her goddamn arm off. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) <laughs> and we find out that the arm is full of blue goop, and uh, and then the real Aaron walks in because surprise, it's not really Aaron.
1: It's a clone <laughs> episode. Clone. Yes. <laughs> so there are these tropes in TV series that are, especially in sci-fi, there are also a few episodes that need to show up. There's the clone episode. There's the time loop episode. There's the mirror universe episode of evil versions, which kind is also the clone episode. I Probably. mean, it's it's in Star Trek all the goddamn time. <laughs> So yeah, this is clone episode. Yeah, and we're already three episodes a... in, we're already a clone episode.
0: Nice. <laughs> and of course, Crichton realizes that Zahn that he met was also a duplicate or replicant, I think they call them.
1: Yeah, the way they find this out, he, men- he mentions like, yeah, uh, I met Zahn in the, the passageway. And she was like, I-, I was never in the passageway. What do you mean, passageway? You're not telling me this ship has one passageway. It's probably all the rooms are probably connected with several passageways. I mean, how can you be talking about <laughs> the passageway? I mean, that sounds like uh. just like a
0: yeah script I've decided. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about it, but yeah, it's so stupid. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they they've discovered that the bugs are somehow making clones of everybody. They're taking mm-hmm. their DNA, and so they need to you know do the whole thing of, oh, how do I know that you're not a clone and. <laughs> This I quite like because Dar- this is Dargo. Dargo initially <laughs> says, Okay, we will cut off the tops of all our little fingers. And John's <laughs> like, Oh gee Christ, Dargo, you're in an- it. Just spray some orange paint on your hand, you moron.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. In Dargo, everything is like some sort of blood ritual or some sort of <laughs> He doesn't he doesn't like the simple solutions. He wants the most painful solution possible for himself or somebody else. <laughs>
0: I like that John is getting to actually, you know, make a difference and, and is actually contributing quite a lot by being apparently the sensible one <laughs> in this <laughs> yeah. episode. Uh, and then also in this scene, we notice that uh, Aaron has started to lose her short-term memory because, you know, she's about to suggest something and then she can't remember what it was. And like she said earlier, that's the first stage yeah. of heat
1: delirium. So
0: it's starting to kick in. Not
1: good. Notes nope. like, yeah, it's. I found this very not, uh, good because it shows you the frustrating moment that she's losing her shorter memory. It's like, seeing that happen to someone, that's quite heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, and this is pretty tame compared to what happens later on. But it's the first sign that, oh no, something's very wrong. So now we go back to Rigel because he's helping with the search in his usual very reluctant way.
1: <sighs> Helping in between heavy air quotes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, he doesn't want to help. He, let somebody else do it. I mean, once it's safe, he'll come back. <laughs> so basically, Dargo grabs his chair and just chucks him into the hole in the passageway. It's like, <laughs> I love that. It's like He grabs the chair and just throws him in like, like water from a bucket. And you can hear Rigel <laughs> as he flies into the wall like, locks him to hospitality. Never ceases to amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful line. Uh,
0: Rigel has some fantastic lines oh he's so i love that character so much just a little grumpy old guy who doesn't want to do anything <laughs> but yeah after he gets thrown into like a little access hatch or whatever it was and he finds the room where the creatures are incubating because there's a huge gross nest <laughs> it's this huge puppet as well which ah uh, i love it it's so good and it's kind of tangled up in Moyer's, you know, internal structure and as Rigel is looking over there there's like a little tube that is extruding an egg and it's kinda of gross and weird and
1: <laughs> it's very effective. <laughs> it's like, oh. And then one goes open and two bugs come out and leave.
0: <laughs> so Rigel is very, very uncomfortable with it's
1: this. Like, oh no. Nope, nope, nope. I nope. am a domino and I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs>
0: And uh, meanwhile, Zan has discovered something through science. She's done some science to the bugs and managed to create a substance that will dissolve the sealant. But then she gets attacked because, you know, we can't have anything nice. She actually gets like a big needle thing stuck inside of her Uh for that. It's like, oh, and it's harsh. Yep. And Aaron is almost unconscious. Yeah. She's She's
1: actually with pilot at that point.
0: Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that scene, actually. I was going to say, I this is probably my favorite scene from this episode. Mm. Um, She's gone down to where Pilot was because she's kind of useless to everyone else at the moment and is getting in the way, and so she's gone to see Pilot, and there's like, this is very touching scene between the two of them where she's really in a bad way, and Pilot actually says, you know, she's the only peacekeeper he can look at without feeling, you know, hatred or... Fear. Or fear, yeah, that was it, yeah. And... I love this bit where, God, I, I've i said this last episode, but I love Pilot's design and his puppets
1: so much. Mm. This was a very good use of his puppet, I have to say. I, I preferred Rigel over Pilot in the first two episodes. Yeah. But this is putting them at equal level for me.
0: Yeah, because you can see his emotion very well. And there's this amazing bit where Aaron is kind of collapsing and he puts one of his arms around her to support her. Yeah. And stand her up. And I just love that because it, you know, it comes in from off scene, and it really gives you this impression that Pilot is a real character and is not just a puppet.
1: No, he really is a character at this point, especially because of, the, the, like I said, the, this scene more bonding between those two.
0: Yeah, they're really setting up like Pilot and Aaron bond in this episode, and yeah, it's... yeah,
1: I happen to know that it continues on in the series.
0: Yes, absolutely. So yeah, that's a really really nice little scene of the two of them kind of bonding and and pilot
1: looking out for her and also another scene i really like that's in there somewhere i don't know what the exact order is that's dargo and john walking through the hallways helping rigel by slamming the wall oh, and yeah. scaring bugs away john basically accuses dargo of wanting erin to die because she's a peacekeeper and dargo actually forcibly rams him against the wall and is like look the part of me that wants Aaron the Liv is larger than the part of me that wants all peacekeepers to die. Yeah. <laughs> and John flippantly says, well, that's not a lot. I'm like, excuse me, have you seen how much he hates the peacekeepers? <laughs> that must be a freaking large part of him.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Dago is an angry man. Oh, there was, I think we skipped over this because it's another little scene, but when they find the uh, sealant and are trying to get into a uh, thermal control room, it's stuck around the door, so he's trying to cut through it with a laser, which isn't working. So he just immediately starts cutting into the wall next to it. And Pilot gets pissed. Pilot flips out he's like how dare you cut into Moya without her
1: permission. He basically just tries to he sends DRDs after him but yeah. uh, Darko keeps doing it anyway but that was it was interesting to see Pilot mad. Yeah don't don't fuck with Moya. No. <laughs> Not while he's around. Pilot will end you. <laughs> okay let's pick up where we left off.
0: Yeah so we had last seen uh, Pilot holding Aaron and you know, comforting her while she was really suffering from heat delirium.
1: Xan had been pierced by some sort of needle. And, and right. Rachel's still missing.
0: So, now we get some extra clone action.
1: Yeah! Clone <laughs> fights, Clone yes. fight!
0: And yeah, like you said, there's all these sci-fi tropes of, you know, clone episode. And within the clone episode, there is the trope of clone fight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Also known as, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself. <laughs>
1: exactly that
0: because yeah a clone of John turns up and has a scrap with the real John
1: yeah and I, what I really love is that John first of all notices that basically he's using all his moves yep. he's also venting some childhood frustration oh, Yeah, this clone
0: he's like that's why oh I forget the guy's name but that's why so and so beat you up in 7th grade because you <laughs> fight dirty <laughs> there's also he does actually get something out of this because he beats up the clone but he realizes that it's not, it's not actually saying anything. No, it this, doesn't talk. This whole time. And then Rigel manages to get in contact because he's... Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, Let's no, wait, hang on. Drop back
1: a little bit because there's one detail oh, I, that I really, on. really love. Go on. He walks into the, ha- into the command room oh, with yeah, his yeah, own yeah. head. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> it's like the head of the clone ripped off. It's like, there's oh, also a very minor detail, actually. You don't actually see the face of the head. No, you don't. So I'm pretty sure that's not actually his head. That's probably a prop head they had lying around. Yeah. Especially because the hair's all wrong.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and they also do when they're, you know, you do the classic thing of when they're having the clone fight, you know, you frame, in the shots where they actually have to fight, you frame the clone from behind so that so you don't see it's double. actually the <laughs> Ben Browder's stunt double. Yeah, exactly. But they, of course, they have the whole split screen thing where you have two of them on the...
1: Same. I just realized, little fights must actually be really fun for the actors because that's one of the moments they actually get to fight. Because they need to the stunt double to be the other person. <laughs> yeah, so, I they, guess so. You actually get to do some of your own stunts.
0: Then <laughs> you have to talk to yourself for an
1: empty. <laughs> well, that, okay, fair. <laughs>
0: but yeah, I like was saying, Rigel is—he's still in the chamber where all the you know where the nest is and all the alien bugs are. And he sees that they're spitting out loads and loads of replicants.
1: It's like lots and lots of clones. Just that...
0: like <laughs> we get a scene of I think there's like the shot from the neck down of like two Dargos. Like you see like Dago come out and then there's a John and I think there's a Zahn and like maybe another Dargo <laughs> just just firing out replicants of the entire crew. <laughs> And another one. And another one. And another one. Oh dear. Where are you getting this biomass? <laughs> and back at command, um, John John turns up, and it's you know it's not a replicant because she's still got the thing that was stabbed into her. Mm-hmm. And then she starts speaking weird. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, she does the whole kind of voice filtery thing of like I am,
1: I am the monarch. <sighs> yes,
0: yeah, she says she's the monarch of the Drak, and that everyone on the ship must die like, ah, what a refreshing change of pace.
1: That's not exactly what she said. She, she says that because they have threatened her children and actually killed one of them, yeah. they have to die. Right, yes. Like, it's,
0: John's like, oh.
1: <laughs> I started this. Oh, shit.
0: Yeah, because if he had left that uh, bug alone. I mean,
1: even if he had just captured it, had he not killed it, then they have, it might have been easier.
0: Yeah, it probably would have been easier to negotiate with them if, he, if they had just let it happen. The interesting thing, this isn't mentioned, but this is my theory on why they're producing the replicants, because it's not really stated why, it's just that they are. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually a defense mechanism.
1: Yeah, that's what I read into it as well.
0: Yeah, because, you know, they got attacked and then started producing. I mean, they were collecting DNA anyway, but it's only after they were attacked that you start seeing the replicants, and Monarch says that they just want to reproduce, you know, they're trying to get their reproduction cycle going, and they need heat for that, which, you know, Moya is good for because thermal control, and they can turn the heat way up. Um,
1: Space is pretty cold, so they can't do it there.
0: <laughs> they use, like, a host to reproduce, like, Moya or something.
1: Yeah, or another warm ship.
0: So, yeah, they're, you know, just reproducing. We just want to live. Come on. Why, why do yeah. they why? Why have to kill our kids? But, yeah, there's a cycle. They're threatening it. John says that he didn't mean to harm them. He didn't realize that that's what they were doing. He's like, you beat this thing against the wall, <laughs> was John. Gonna say,
1: you were. I. I didn't mean to harm it. You beat it when, against the when, wall twice <laughs> to make when it stop moving and start moving again. You went on. <laughs> yeah, what?
0: John. That's not really holding
1: up. No, <laughs> but I do like that he's like he negotiates with them, being like, "Look, if you keep doing this, your host is going to die, including all your kids. You need to turn down the heat."
0: Yeah, I like that. Again, it's John actually, you know, solving the problem. Rather Without
1: than... guns or swords.
0: Yeah, because, you know, Dargo is like, kill everything! <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like,
0: well, I don't care, I want to kill
1: everything anyway.
0: Yeah, he's ready to attack Zahn. Yeah. Even though she's, like, being used as, like, a communication thing for a monarch. If he kills her, she... he just kills her. He doesn't actually accomplish anything. Nothing.
1: <laughs> I mean, he silences the monarch, that's about it.
0: Yeah, but then Monarch just finds someone else to talk
1: through. It's like... If she if she cares enough for that anyway. Yeah.
0: After that, it's probably like, you know, F it. Kill everyone. <laughs> so, yeah, John's like, no, no, let's not stab our friend. And, yeah, manages to negotiate and convince Monarch to, you know, be more cooperative.
1: Yeah, what they basically end up doing is they get locked into a room and the temperature goes down enough that it doesn't harm Eren anymore. It's apparently still very uncomfortable, but
0: yeah because at this point Aaron is has basically collapsed, and is yeah
1: motor function has has gone almost shut down
0: and yeah, if it gets any worse, she's going to be you know in that final stage, which mm-hmm. it's pretty grim so so
1: all is well the episode ends everything's People fine plan. everything's
0: fine yeah that's it they, they go mean, about their way and off they and, go and
1: uh, and um, it's all and that's not actually no it. i I do like that there's a sort of resolution and then another problem rises' <laughs> like And guess what? It's Chekhov's peacekeepers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Guess who's back. Yeah, the peacekeeper marauder turns up again and just boards Moya because I think one of the things that they did to try and call Moya down was they actually opened the uh, hangar, they opened the
1: doors to space. And they apparently also had to stop the ship to do that. Pilot suggests that and then then I like Eren being like, no, 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 that leaves us vulnerable. And he's like, well, we already are, so, uh. so. Yeah, we're gonna die if we don't vent some of this heat. But I do like that, in a way, Eren is actually more. She seems more concerned with the rest at that point. Yes. Because they can probably stand in the heat a lot longer. They don't need the doors open, but she desperately does. Mm. Throughout
0: this, we see that Eren is kind of not really accepting her fate, but she's realized that she's not doing well and could be on the way out. Mm hmm. She's more concerned with getting everyone else to safety. Yeah. I just want to point something out, by the way, about the whole opening it to space to cool it down. Uh, that doesn't actually work that well. well. So here's the thing. You said earlier space is cold. Mm-hmm. Space isn't cold. In fact, space isn't hot or right. cold because it's empty. Right. Uh, and so Because here's... heat is moving particles. Exactly. And you, to cool down, you have to transfer heat from one thing to another. When you're cooling down, you know you're transferring your heat to you know the air around you, or you know if you're in a bath, you're transferring it to the water. Mm-hmm. Um, in space, there's no matter. You know, there's no. It's a vacuum, so you, the heat basically has nowhere to go. And in fact, radiation and cooling is one of the big problems you have on real space uh, stations like the you know the ISS. It actually doesn't get cold; it gets too warm. And they have to have huge radiators to get rid of all the heat from mm. all the equipment and people inside of it, because the only way to get rid of heat is through infrared radiation, you know, in space, because mm-hmm. you know that's electromagnetic waves and that can. That propagate.
1: that, that propagates by itself.
0: Yeah, which is act- and that's incredibly slow and inefficient and is not a good way of cooling down. Mm. So actually, opening the doors to space doesn't really accomplish anything. Huh? Would have thunk it. It's the classic thing of sci-fi of, like, space is cold. And it's like, no, it, no, no, it's not. <laughs> not really. Yeah, you have to have something to transfer the heat to, because otherwise,
1: you know, it's not going anywhere. So when when astronauts are in, are in their suits, they don't actually need to be heated a uh, lot? No, they mostly need to be cooled. That's what
0: all of the... When you look at the big pack on the back of their suits and there's tubing that goes through the entire suit, that is to keep them cool oh. from their own body heat. And, and, Interesting. And also, when you're out there you getting if you're doing it in like the if you're doing spacewalk in the quote daytime, then you've got the sun shining directly yeah, exactly. on you. Exactly. And that creates more heat. Exactly. So they don't need to be warmed up, they need to be cooled down. Like that's oh, what okay. there's a huge amount of cooling and you know, radiation or radiators rather in, inside a spacesuit. Nice. Yeah. I just thought that was a little fun little fact.
1: Farscape Rewatch much podcast. Really science information. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to what's been going on. So yeah, the peacekeepers have turned up and boarded Moya, and I just want to talk about something here. That's the elephant in the room. There okay. is some fierce eyebrow action going on <laughs> here.
1: I I don't think those were actual eyebrows. I think no, that's they paint.
0: they were painted cool. on, but. So each of the peacekeepers has some kind of eye makeup on. Some of it looks kind of like an uh, Egyptian kind of eye, eye thing, or mm-hmm. like it's fairly subdued. One of them, one of the female peacekeepers, just has gigantic black
1: eyebrows painted it's on. It's like her. it's quite disturbing. <laughs> it's was like, oh, what the? Oh, oh, it's makeup. <laughs>
0: Yeah, some of the rest of them look kind of, you know, artistic and like traditional kind of thing. Oh, that looks pretty cool. And then this is this one one woman who has massive eyebrows. Look,
1: look it's a statement, okay? <laughs> it's a fashion statement. You're a peacekeeper, you, you don't get to choose your uniform, but goddammit, if you can differentiate yourself, you do it.
0: Either that was like, Look everyone, I got dressed in a hurry this morning. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Stick these eyebrows that on. Might also, that might also actually have been the case. <laughs> I might be giving her too much credit.
0: That completely took me by surprise. like, <laughs> I was not expecting brows of this magnitude. <laughs> no. So, anyway, yeah, they, they shoot and kill uh, Dargo. And they find the corpse of Aaron. But, of course, they're both replicants. I mean, the, the peacekeepers have no idea what's going on.
1: They're completely dumbfounded by this, like, oh, well, that was easy. And pilots like,
0: oh, no, there's weapons fire.
1: <laughs> and the heat goes up again.
0: Yeah, because Monarch thinks that it's uh, the rest of the crew doing this and that they've betrayed Monarch. The heat starts cranking up and then Erin keeps getting worse. Yeah. And she tells John that she can feel the living death coming and if it does come, that he has to kill her. Yeah. And she she says to him, it's like, can you do that? Can you kill can you, me? Can you promise me that? And he doesn't actually
1: respond. No, he doesn't respond at all, which is relevant later on. Yeah, he does, not, he does not answer
0: that question. No. So he's trying to communicate with Monarch to tell them that it, you know, it's not us. It's not our fault. We didn't do it. You know, monarch doesn't believe him.
1: He's not even responding at that point. Just
0: like, nope. And so it falls to none other than Rigel. To Dominar himself. <laughs> to uh, speak to the Monarch. Because he's in the chamber with the eggs and the nest still and he's very of course you know true to form incredibly reluctant to actually go you know. and talk to monarch because apparently he actually has to go inside the nest and inside the egg sac and that's weird and bleh, 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 bleh. but then Zahn says well you know what would rigel the first do
1: ah there we go <laughs> gotcha speak to his ego
0: <laughs> yep that always works so he does his best, you know, I am a dominar. and I I, really
1: love the, I actually really love the sentence he starts with. Yeah. I am dominar, uh, Rigel dominar sixteens, Both your equal and your humble petitioner. That's a beautiful line. Yeah, he's, he's laying it on thick here. Yeah, it's like, wow, that's pretty good actually. <laughs> yep. And so he
0: is granted an, an audience. And then we see a CGI
1: Rigel. Because we can see his feet move.
0: Yeah, they have a sequence of him walking into the uh, nest, which, you know, you can't really do with a puppet no. that well.
1: Or you just have a clever camera shot, that would have also worked. Yeah, out.
0: I guess, I mean, they decided to go with CGI with this, which is very noticeable. It's noticeable, but I, d- I do think he looks good. He looks, he looks good. It's noticeable because it's not the puppet.
1: It, his movements are slightly different, also in this form.
0: They're, they're a lot more awkward, I think. I, I think, actually, they look more human. Well, I mean, okay, they look smoother, or they look a little bit too smooth. It's in that uncanny valley of animation where it looks too smooth and too, you know, too light.
1: There's no weight behind his
0: movements, I think, is it? And also, it's because, you know, we have this very clear image of Rigel as a puppet, and that's him, that's his character. Mm -hmm. And then you see a CGI version, you're like, well, that's...
1: That's not Rigel. That's not Rigel.
0: But anyway, it's a very short scene of that, of just him walking
1: in. I, I liked it enough. It was pretty good CGI for the time.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, by going in there, the crew have lost contact with him, and they fear that he's been, you know, killed or something. But then Zahn becomes monarch again and does the whole eyes rolling back into her head. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, no, no, Roger made a deal. Your sovereign has made a deal. (laughs) (laughs) Dardo's like... He's not my sovereign. <laughs> and then John says, He is now. He is for now. He is today. <laughs> He's just like, God damn it, Dargo. Jeez. We're trying to get out of this. <laughs> like, He's not my sovereign. He's like, Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> 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 oh, Dargo. Get a hold of yourself, man. <laughs> and now we go back to the peacekeepers who have killed a clone of Crichton. And they actually, you know, they haven't recognized anyone. I mean, they didn't recognize Dargo. They said, Oh, God, it's a Luxon. Kill it. And Then uh, there's another Luxon, yeah. Which apparently they can't tell Luxons apart. Peacekeepers. <laughs> well, they do all look the same. Let's peacekeepers, be super racist. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they are. That's <laughs> not true, even actually. a joke. They but, really are. But then they recognise John and like, aha, there he is. Because presumably Crisis told them, has given them like a picture of John. It's like, find this guy, and apparently kill him. It's like, well, yeah. I thought they wanted him back alive, just to no he wants i mean craze wants john dead uh, like, probably for killing efficiency for killing actually. his brother yeah so the peacekeeper kills the clone john and a bug which you know causes the monarch a lot of pain mm-hmm. and then Crichton says okay let us out and we can we can help you and then he says crank up the heat
1: yeah and then aaron's like yes do it because yes, that's i do like that look, that look between them that he, She knows what he's thinking, and she's like, do it.
0: It's like, yes, this makes tactical sense, you know. It's mm-hmm. the right decision. Because she's ready to sacrifice herself.
1: Yeah, at this point she knows, like, okay, they can't take five peacekeeper commandos just between... Dargro and Crichton just in uh, in a fair playing field. They need an advantage. They, you can already see in the scenes with the peacekeepers that they're they're suffering from the heat already, even if it's in minor things.
0: Yeah, they're sweating and they're removing some of their you know very heavy armor and clothing. They're mm-hmm. sort of stripping down because it's way too hot. So yeah, they've decided to you know work together, Monarch and uh, John, because this scene is <laughs> this
1: is wonderful.
0: This is great because we have a Crichton walks in. To where the peacekeepers are, who are very weak from the heat at this point.
1: Yeah, they're basically lying on their asses.
0: And then another Crichton walks in. And then another one. And then another one. And they I actually like how they show the difference between the clones and the real John. Because all the clone Johns walk in very slowly, very methodically, they mm-hmm. don't say
1: anything. No no elaborate hand waving or anything. <laughs> yeah. Just like a robot walking in.
0: And then John comes in sort of immediately, like, you know, waving at them and like, hey, it's me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, ah, there's the real one.
0: And then Dargo turns up as well and Mm -hmm. says, all right, let's kill him. (laughs) And John's like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. We've talked." These are mine. (laughs) It's like, I got this. Me, 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 me and me. We got this. (laughs) He's not going to kill them, but he's going to intimidate the hell out of them. Oh, yeah. I love this bluff. Like, holy crap, this is good. Because, yeah, he tells the Peacekeepers, you know, tell Crazy they picked the wrong species to mess with.
1: Because the Peacekeepers, they know he's not Sebastian. They know he's some sort of other species. But they don't know anything else about him. So he basically bluffs that this is what he he or his species can do. Basically just clone himself over and over and over and over again.
0: (laughs) Or something like that, yeah. And there's a thing where he has, like, the knife up against...
1: Yeah, um, the commando has the knife up against John's throat. throat. yeah. Like, go ahead. Yeah, do do it. it. And the last thing Chris will see is his crew dead, looking up in a pool of his own blood. It's like, and he says this, ice cold. Like, there's a knife at his throat, and he doesn't give a flinch. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, he pulls off an amazing bluff. I do not want to play poker with John Crichton. Nope. no (laughs) hell. I'd lose that.
0: Yeah, that rather effectively convinces them to go away. Because, <laughs> I mean, Dargo was all about, you know, we, we should kill them. That way, Crace won't know where we are and, you know, everything will be fine. John actually makes a big gamble by doing this. And Dargo tells him. Because yeah. Crichton says that, okay, well, by letting them go and by letting them tell Crace what happened, there's a chance that Crace will leave them alone.
1: Yeah, that he basically believes that this is really something Crichton can do, and, you know, and to... that he's scared enough about it.
0: Yeah, and I actually kind of agree with Dargo here that he says it's a very small chance. Actually,
1: John agrees on that. Oh well, yeah,
0: John does also agree, but it's he's like, like
1: it's a slim chance. But <laughs> there's, I, I think it's there's a... one problem with this entire plan.
0: Yeah. You've let them go, so they're gonna know where we are. Yeah, like <laughs> and you're you're hoping that those theatrics will scare Crace off, as I.
1: I was gonna say, like, if that doesn't, I mean, if it weren't the case that the location was very important, then I wouldn't have been that worried about this. Like, yeah, fine, go ahead. It's a gamble, and if it doesn't work, nothing lost. But you actually lose something if you lose this gamble. <laughs> It's like, like your goddamn wife. For once I think Dargo may have been right in that you should have just <laughs> shot everybody. I think we just found our first count. Dargo was right. <laughs> I, I I I am officially starting the first count of this podcast. Okay. I'm grabbing a piece of paper okay. here.
0: Dargo was right.
1: Yeah. All right. I don't think this is going to happen often, but for the first time, Dargo was right. Dargo was right, count one. Exactly. Hey. <laughs> Actually, before we go on, what I also like about this whole scene with the bluffing and everything, it cuts between uh, John doing this and uh, Zahn and Aaron in the shower. Basically, Zahn's trying to cool down Aaron with, with water. And that's a heavy scene because the only thing Aaron is saying, there's only two coherent words coming out of her, which is... Frightened and promise. Yeah. She's going. She's at the edge.
0: She's very close to being, yeah, having the living death. It's like, ooh. Yeah, this, this is one of those, this is an episode that has like a pretty, you know, standard plot of like, you know, we've got to get away. There's clones. It's a clone episode. Mm-hmm. Also with some really heavy shit. Like, she's like, I'm gonna, I'm know, gonna not die. You like, need to I'm- kill me. Cause I'll be in absolute mi- misery. And, oh, Oh, that's heavy. But, thankfully, things wrap up quite nicely because the Peacekeepers leave, the Drax leave, the temperature goes down, and Eren is okay. Yeah. She's all right.
1: With the Peacekeepers gone, the, mon- the deal with the Monarch is apparently on again, and they just wait out the Genesis cycle, as they call it.
0: Yep. And Crichton is carrying Zan to her quarters after mm-hmm. all of this because... You know she's had a pretty tough time of it as well
1: yeah being a basically a loudspeaker for yeah. an alien bug
0: and getting stabbed in the you know in the chest and she compliments you know she says, you know good job, well done um, <laughs> but he has to keep his patience because he's still you know frustrated that he doesn't really understand what's going on and mm-hmm. but she's like, well no you'll you'll get the hang of it soon."
1: And again, that it brings that circle of uh, that arc of John being out of his depth around, being like, okay, he's he's getting better at this, but he's still not there yet.
0: Yeah, I think what he's learned to do is that he doesn't understand a lot of the uh, particulars, like the brushing your teeth with the with the bug and mm-hmm. the certain other things. But he's starting to understand the people more.
1: Yeah, and he's starting to understand what. Makes him unique in this group in that he's very much a character of reason yep. and innovation, really. is he, always thinking on his feet.
0: Yeah, he provides the third option, basically, you know, the yeah. <laughs> additional idea that actually does come through and is actually useful, and he's not a completely useless, uh, dumb human.
1: I mean, he's basically the only scientist on board when you think about it.
0: I mean, well, we saw. No, that's not true because Zahn. Zahn was,
1: yeah, okay, you're right. Zahn has some. Yeah, she did a lot of science earlier. She figured
0: out how to dissolve the alien goop.
1: But I get the, get the feeling she's mostly in the biology angle, where he's yep. more in the physics angle. Yeah, that's and true. Also, like I said, thinking on his feet.
0: Yeah, he's very much kind of, you know, figure it out as we go along. Uh-huh. Zahn reminds him, you know, just time and patience. That's all you got to have, <laughs> time and patience. Is that your answer
1: to everything? Yes. <laughs> Pretty much, because it usually works.
0: Yeah, I mean, she
1: has a point there.
0: Yeah. But yeah, that was nice that he's you know he's starting to grow and realize that he's an important part of the crew, and then he goes to see Aaron, because she's all right you know but she's still very shaken from the whole thing. She's
1: dealing with the shit and the fallout of coming so close to the living yeah. death.
0: And he, here's something interesting: is that um, he asks, I think he asks Pilot where she is, and he says Pilot says she's on the balcony,
1: the terrace. Oh, the I think terrace. They call sorry, it.
0: yes, the terrace. And we find out that this apparently is... Op- this is a piece of... A part of Moya that is open to space. Like, right on the top.
1: I mean, it's probably probably domed or something with glass. Yeah, course prob-
0: Or it has, like, a field around it.
1: Mm-hmm. But it's mostly just open to space, like you said.
0: Yeah. And and Aaron is sitting out there watching the glowing cloud of the uh, monarch stuff sort of go away
1: and fly out. Back to out. its uh, original location.
0: Yeah. And John's come to see how she's doing and she has the whole thing about she used to think lesser life forms should be squashed and now she knows (laughs) otherwise and Crichton has this sort of realization that's like oh you no okay you don't mean
1: you're not talking about the bugs bugs. are you (laughs) you're talking about He goes into that like he responds to that like oh you're taught yeah well it does give you perspective you're not talking about the bugs (laughs) are you (laughs) she's like yep she just smiles. I like that she doesn't even respond. She just smiles. Like, yep. yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because then she asks John, because she never got an answer to the question earlier of, you know, could you have kept the promise to kill me if I had gone to, you know, the living death? And he doesn't answer again. He's, no. He says, but, you know, worse things could have happened today.
1: Yeah, I I like that he's he doesn't answer and that she can see in his eyes, like, Heck, he probably doesn't even know it himself. Exactly. I think
0: it. I think that's that's the impression I got that he doesn't have an answer for that question. I like, mean, he he doesn't have an answer ahead of time. Like,
1: let's be honest. Could
0: you kill me if I wasn't that much uh, suffering? It's one of those like you don't know. I th- no, <laughs> I think he's realized that he can't make that promise ahead of time because he doesn't know how he will feel. I mean, don't make a promise you can't keep. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't want to say yes, but he also doesn't want to say no he doesn't want to say yes because he doesn't want to kill her but he doesn't want to say no because he doesn't want her to be suffering exactly and that whole struggle is very difficult to comprehend when it isn't actively happening you can you know reason your way into one thing or another but then when it's actually happening the emotional you know the hit of that happening in front of you is gonna probably warp how you feel about it and so he's quite i think quite sensibly realized that he's not prepared to answer that question. No. Right now, and again, like you said, his, John thinks best on his feet. Yeah, probably good point. Whatever he says now could change, because mm-hmm. he might change his mind depending on what happens. So he's really not ready to deal with that. No.
1: <laughs> I do like also that she says, "Could you have kept your promise?" And he doesn't correct her because he never made any promise.
0: Yep. He never actually. Pro- he never said anything.
1: No, he never. He never responded. She asked him to. And I like that the entire episode she keeps talking about the promise and like, I'm hoping this is an intentional decision that they didn't just accidentally cut out the promise. Yeah, because I'm a bit afraid of that. Otherwise, I mean, the delirium does wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised that through the delirium she thinks he made the promise.
0: Yeah, that that sounds pretty likely to me. You know, John says, you know, worst thing's gonna happen today. Let's not worry about it. Let's just get
1: on with. Let's draw a line under this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end the episode.
0: Yeah, and that's where it ends. We end on a shot of uh, a nice shot of John and Aaron looking out into space at the retreating monarch swarm, I guess. And there you go. That was Exodus from Genesis. I liked it. I, yeah. I, I
1: really liked this one.
0: I enjoyed this one. This one was good. Um, like we said, it had a reasonably straightforward plot, but with some very nice character moments and some very heavy shit going yeah.
1: on. But what I, what I like is that it also started to address the elephant in the room, which is Aaron's a peacekeeper. What does everybody think about that? We yeah. learned that Dargo at this point is like, look, she's a comrade. I don't really care. Zahn is fine with everything. We right. haven't really figured out Rigel's stance on it.
0: Rigel but... is kind of like above it all. But I mean, yeah. last episode, he did bite a chunk out of Aaron.
1: That's true, actually. Like, especially Aaron herself is coming to terms with it.
0: Yeah. She's kind of realized that, no, I can't go back and I need to focus on keeping these people alive. This is my crew now. I mean, there's a scene where she says, you know, what are we? You know, John's like, what did you want? Friends? Family?
1: No, I'm not going to do that. And at uh, the end, I, you get the feeling that she might. She's starting to warm up to you, the idea. <laughs> See what you. <laughs> Pun intended? <laughs> no, actually not. Perfect. <laughs> it's always by like accident. It's always by <laughs> accident.
0: But yeah, you are right, though, that she's becoming closer to everyone in the, on Moya, especially like we saw with Pilot. I mean, I mean this is
1: very much an Eren episode, yes. I feel.
0: Even though for most of it, she's kind of unconscious or out of it.
1: Yeah, it, but it's the scenes that she is there are very much about her and how she relates to the rest of the crew.
0: I mean, the whole the whole reason that they're trying to fix all the heat problems is so she doesn't die. Exactly. Like, you know, the rest of
1: you probably go take quite a bit more.
0: Exactly. If they wanted to, they could just do nothing about it and let Aaron die and they would probably have been okay. I mean, the, probably the the temperature would have It might have got too much, yeah, but yeah, they for them, but But they were they were concerned with, you know, saving Aaron's life. And let's see.
1: Let's see what uh what do we want to give this as a rating? I want to go with 4, but that might actually go up depending on the rest of the series, I think. Hmm. Because it's, ve- it's a very good character episode, and you know how... You, well, spoilers for the rest of the uh, rest of this podcast, I very much like character episodes. <laughs> yeah. No, That's really good. my jam.
0: There's been some really great character moments th- throughout this whole series so far. We're only three yeah, episodes second,
1: in. The second episode had a, ver- a few very good ones as well, especially for Rigel. Yeah. You know?
0: I think, yeah. I think I would rate this pretty highly. Um, if we look at Farscapeworld.com, their ra- a rating for this episode is three out of five. I'm going for four. I would say yeah, three or four or out of ten. I don't know, seven,
1: <laughs> four out of five. We're gonna, I'm gonna yeah. try and keep up. Uh, use the same rating. I'll just use halves if I want a different. Yeah. If I want to be be a bit more nuanced, but for now I think eight, four is fine.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Four out of five seems seems about right. Oh, and a uh, quick bit of trivia. Here's the thing: is this was actually filmed. Uh, episode was filmed back to back with the premiere. Oh really? Yeah, and it's actually the first episode where the entire episode takes place aboard Moya, because nice. of course in the premiere we had you know the uh, planet they went to, and you had Earth of course, and then mm-hmm. last episode was basically almost entirely set on the planet they crashed into, Igobar, and this is kind of this is <laughs> almost a bottle episode, but not quite, you know. The, I mean, it's a
1: good kind of bottle episode.
0: But yeah, it doesn't feel like one. It, it actually feels like a proper episode, which of course it mm-hmm. is. Oh, <laughs> this is another fun piece of trivia. The writer originally called the Drac Monarch the Sultana, meaning the
1: wife, <laughs> which meant the wife of a sultan. <laughs> it's like, oh, how do yeah, you... That's, that's also, that. I don't want to be rude, but that's also a cookie. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's... That's also a cookie. I'm glad they changed that. Yeah. <laughs> But no, this was good. This was a good episode, and I'm this has been consistent so far. We haven't hit a really duff ep, oh. know, episode yet. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Uh-oh. What do uh, you I mean, know that I don't know? I, I actually don't know. It may okay. actually be perfectly fine. Who knows? We'll because, see uh, yeah, that's it for this episode. But up next, we have Throne for a Loss. I think this is going to be a Rigel-focused episode from the Whoa. synopsis. I'm not going to give too much away. The first sentence of the synopsis on Wikipedia is, Rigel's plot to appear regal backfires. <laughs> <laughs> I like the sound of this.
1: I i can't wait till next week, actually. I really like Rigel.
0: <laughs> yeah, Rigel's pretty great. And huh. we will be back next week for episode four, Throne for a Loss. And, of course, this episode and every episode of the Fastgate Rewatch podcast is brought to you by you, by listeners like, no, not you, you,
1: people listening. <laughs> you're, pointing, you're pointing at the camera, but there's it's nobody a, else there but me.
0: It's a force of, <laughs> listen, this is an audio-only podcast. <laughs> it's a force of, Sure. I know. Go ahead. <laughs> but yes, this is brought to you by the generous support of people on Patreon. And that is patreon.com slash hats, which is supporting this podcast, my live streams on Twitch, and many other projects to come. So, you know, go check that out. And if you want to hear more from either of us, I am at, on Twitter, at Can't Wear Hats. And I'm at Verdalken in Tree on Twitter. Yeah, so keep an eye on those for any more updates about the you know future episodes and so on. But uh, yeah, we'll be back next week for Throne for a Loss.
1: Goodbye! Bye! <laughs> I think yeah. I have an idea for an for a uh, okay. stinger. All right, go
0: for it. Mm. Mm.
1: Oh. Oh no. I think I just swallowed Mentat. It's a dentic.
0: <laughs> Me- Mentats are from June. A <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. dentic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Oh. no. Oh shit. I just swallowed a men- Mentat. A oh, god damn it.
0: Ad- Again. A
1: <laughs> dentic. It's a dentic. Okay. Identic. Okay. Oh. Uh, oh no. I just swallowed a dentic. Well, at least your breath will be fresh for a while now.